Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is one out of Columbus, Ohio. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Twenty-one-year-old Reagan Tokes was everyone's best friend. She was dedicated, determined, supportive, and she was the kind of friend that would stay up and hold your hair back for you after a long night out. She was exceptionally close with her parents and little sister. They had recently moved to Florida from Ohio, and the distance from her family was hard, but they were constantly in touch. They had this family group text where they'd update each other on their days, joke around, and even share photos of the birthday party that they threw for Reagan's dog, even though they were all the way in Florida. In February of 2017, Reagan started preparing for her graduation that was coming up in three months. This was something that she had spent the last few years of her life preparing for. She was a psychology student at Ohio State University, which she took a lot of pride in, and she couldn't believe that this was about to happen. All of her hard work was about to pay off. All of those last-minute exams and term papers were about to turn into a full-fledged college degree. But Reagan would never get to walk across that stage. On February 8th, 2017, Reagan went to work at Bodega. It's a little restaurant and bar in Columbus, Ohio, in an area that's pretty well known for its nightlife. She'd been working there for about six months, and the employees there were a pretty tight-knit group. After each shift, they'd usually ask someone to walk with them to their car, but this night, that didn't happen. According to The Lantern, Reagan's shift ended around 8 p.m. that night, but she stayed and hung around for a bit. When she left, she didn't ask for an escort to her car, she just quietly headed out to go home and get some sleep before class the next morning. But Reagan never came home that night. She lived with a few roommates who went to school with her, and the Toledo Blade reports that as one of her roommates was getting ready the next morning, she went to check on Reagan, but she wasn't in her room. Her roommate texted her asking if she'd gone to class without her, but the text was never delivered, and Reagan wasn't in class. At this point in the day, the family group text is usually popping with good mornings and what are you up to messages, but it was silent on Reagan's end and her parents and her sister were starting to worry. Reagan's sister Mackenzie tried and tried but couldn't get a hold of her, so she contacted one of her sister's roommates, and her heart sunk when they told her that Reagan hadn't come home the night before. Mackenzie went back through her last communications that she'd had with her sister and realized that none of her texts had been delivered after 9.45 p.m. the night before, which was just about an hour after she had left work. It was early afternoon at this point, and if her phone had died, she certainly would have charged it by now, and there's no way Reagan would have turned off her phone on purpose and kept it off for this long. Her family knew something was wrong and immediately reported her missing. They gave a detailed description of her appearance and her vehicle, which had two distinctive stickers on it, a Miami Dolphin sticker and an OSU sticker. Mackenzie tells the Tab Ohio State that there's CCTV footage of Reagan leaving Bodega that night, but her car was parked just outside of camera view, so they don't know for sure if she ever made it to her vehicle. 
Reagan's family had no idea that at the same time they were filing her missing persons report, police were being called to the scene of a body found near the entrance of the Scioto Grove Metro Park just 11 miles from Bodega. When police got there, they found a female lying on the ground with no clothes on, and it was clear that she'd been shot in the head. There was no purse, no keys, no wallet near her, nothing that could be used to identify her. The woman's body wasn't hidden by a tree line or in any bushes. Nothing had been done to try and conceal her body. It was just lying in an open field for anyone to find. The Grove City Police Department immediately called the BCI. This wasn't a place where things like this happen. According to the Columbus Dispatch, there were only two homicides in Grove City the previous year, and this was the first of 2017, and they wanted all the help and resources that they could get. The outlet reports that investigators had a good idea of who the victim might be, but without a positive identification, they weren't going to make any official announcements. But... Over the police radio, it was overheard that the victim was probably shot when her vehicle was stolen, a vehicle with two very distinct stickers on it, a Miami Dolphin sticker and an OSU sticker. Everyone knew the nude body found in the park shot in the head was Reagan, even before it was confirmed. What no one could figure out was why and how. On February 10th, the coroner confirmed everyone's suspicions, and the media was on fire trying to figure out anything and everything they could about what happened the night of the 8th. The Columbus Dispatch was able to find out that the police didn't find any shell casings at the scene. The Tab Ohio State reported that she likely died of a single gunshot wound, and WBNS reports that they believe she was killed elsewhere and then dumped in the park. I will forever hate using the word dumped when referring to a human being, but that's exactly what her killer did, and it's devastating. Ohio State University starts implementing extra safety measures to protect their students. They send out a notice saying that there will be a visible police presence around the campus and ask that if any students see anything that they think even might be suspicious, to report it. Detectives start interviewing everyone Reagan knows and put out a bolo for her car that's still missing. But it wouldn't be missing for long. Later that night, WBNS reports that police found it. It was parked on Oakwood Avenue, which is a residential street in between Bodega and the park, just four miles from Bodega and 10 miles away from the park. If whoever was responsible for Reagan's murder used her own car to dump her body in the park, that means that they then used her vehicle to drive back into town closer to where she was last seen. Less than 24 hours after Reagan's car was found, the police announced that they're going to be holding a press conference. And you might think it's going to be about the location of the car or maybe a little bit about what they found inside and asking for tips. But no, this press conference stopped everyone in their tracks. Authorities start by saying that Reagan had been found nude near the entrance of the park, but that she was shot twice in the head, not once. Then they announce that they've already tested items recovered from her car. Not only had they tested them in sonic speed, but they'd already made an arrest. The man arrested and charged with the aggravated robbery, aggravated kidnapping, and aggravated murder of Reagan Tokes was a 29-year-old sex offender by the name of Brian Lee Goldsby. 
He had just been released from prison three months prior and made sure to join Facebook and announce his release with a selfie captioned, Guess Who's Back, which is haunting now. If you were wondering why he was in prison, I thought you'd never ask. In 2010, Goldsby allegedly pulled a knife on a woman while she was standing in her apartment complex parking lot that even then was only 11 miles away from Bodega. This guy's crime radius is almost smaller than his soul. True Crime Daily reports that after pulling the knife on her, he forced her into her vehicle, drove her to an ATM where he made her take out money for him, then made her drive back to her apartment complex, forced her to perform sexual acts on him in front of her child, and then robbed the apartment before leaving. Another woman in her 60s was in the same apartment complex parking lot getting her mail when ABC News reports that a man came up and grabbed her by the neck. The Columbus Dispatch adds that he then told her he had a gun under his shirt and proceeded to steal $84 from her. According to WBNS, it's believed that Goldsby was also responsible for that attack. In an article by the Columbus Dispatch, they note that the first victim didn't want to testify in court. I mean, he knew where she lived and had been in her apartment and allegedly assaulted her in front of her child. So, Goldsby struck a deal. He pled guilty to attempted rape and robbery. Kidnapping charges were not included and he got six years in jail with six months of time served. Had Goldsby not gotten credit for his time served, he would have still been in jail when Reagan was murdered. This man had been out of jail for only three months and managed to get a gun, which he legally cannot own as a felon, and escalated to murder. The press conference continues, and they say that she may have been shot in the park, but again, as they mentioned earlier, no shell casings were found, so they're not super specific on that. They say that there were no other signs of trauma besides her gunshot wounds. However, they're still waiting on results from her rape kit. They don't believe she was targeted. They believe she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, which seems so unbelievably unfair. And the word unfair doesn't even touch the surface of how fucked up the entire situation is. Reagan was a student. She had just finished a full shift of work. All she wanted to do was go home, talk to her family, and get some sleep. But this guy, who she didn't know from a hole in the carpet, decided that he was going to take her life instead. At the end of the press conference, a reporter asked when Reagan and Goldsby crossed paths, and the detective said that they believe it was shortly after she walked out of Bodega. They don't know if she made it to her car or not, but they do believe that he abducted her within 30 minutes of her leaving. This department wasted no time, skimped on no resources, and got an arrest in Reagan's case in record time. And the press conference left a lot of people feeling like this is deep. There's going to be a lot more to this case, and it's going to be shocking. So the Columbus Dispatch did some digging. They were able to get a look at the criminal complaint form that was filed, and in it, Goldsby admitted to kidnapping Reagan in the area of North High Street and 3rd Avenue. Bodega is literally on the corner of that intersection. 
It also said that just like Goldsby had with his victim in 2010, he forced Reagan to take $60 out of an ATM. With the new information, the outlet did a little more digging and found that in 2002, when Goldsby was a teenager, he threatened his own mother with a knife and told her that she better not mess with him. After that, he was removed from the home and put into foster care and eventually transferred from foster care to Buckeye Ranch. I looked up Buckeye Ranch and their website says that the residential program there is for youths struggling with their mental health and behavioral problems. On February 12th, new details were added to Reagan's case, and I wish I wasn't saying this, but her rape kit results came back positive for Goldsby. Not only had he kidnapped, robbed, and killed her, he had also raped her and an additional charge was added. That night, a vigil was held at Bodega in Reagan's honor. It seemed like the entire community showed up and every single penny of the proceeds made that night went towards a scholarship fund set up in her name. The following day, Goldsby was officially arraigned on all of his charges and was denied any hint of a bond, and the prosecutor made it clear that he was considering the death penalty. Reagan's case did not slow down. It seemed like hour by hour, new and more horrifying details were coming out about the night she was murdered, and February 14th was no different. That's when the Columbus Dispatch announced to the world that while all of this was happening, Goldsby was wearing a GPS ankle monitor. How in the wildest of ever-living fucks was he able to kidnap someone, rob someone, rape someone, murder someone while wearing a GPS monitor? After finding out about the ankle monitor, the case goes pretty quiet. I mean, for most cases, a month and a half isn't quiet, but for Reagan's case, it was the longest string of silence there'd been. But on March 31st, 2017, ABC reports that it's official. Goldsby is facing the death penalty, but not just for Reagan's murder. He's also being charged with a string of violent crimes in a residential area called German Village that had taken place just before Reagan was killed. According to the Columbus Dispatch, on January 3rd, an older woman was standing in her own garage when she was met with a man she didn't know. There was a literal stranger in her garage. The woman told him to get out, and before he ran off, stealing nothing and seeming to have no plan, he punched her in the face. On the following day, January 24th, a young woman was walking out of her house when a man wearing a mask put a knife up to her throat and demanded her money. After that attack, the outlet reports that while a middle-aged woman was emptying her trunk, a man came up behind her, put a gun up to her head, and forced her to give him her purse. Once he got it, he threw the woman to the ground and pistol-whipped her in the face. And that's not even all. The Columbus Dispatch reports that there are more robberies that he may also be connected to, including attacks on women near the children's hospital just a mile and a half away from German Village. This guy was literally being tracked by a GPS ankle monitor and somehow managed to get away with multiple violent attacks on women with weapons and is now facing the death penalty for raping and killing his last victim. 
How did it get this far? What's the point of the ankle monitor? The Toledo Blade reported that his GPS tracker wasn't being monitored in real time and was only used to retrace his steps. But it stopped nothing. It deterred Goldsby from nothing. In fact, he escalated the entire time he was on the monitor. First, he broke in and punched someone. Then he used a knife and demanded money. After that, he got a gun, stole a purse, and pistol-whipped a woman, and ultimately kidnapped, robbed, raped, and murdered Reagan Tokes. Goldsby seemed to feel unstoppable, and until Reagan, he kind of was. The only break he took from violent crime was while he was in jail. On April 3, 2017, Goldsby was back in court and pled not guilty to all of the 18 charges stacked against him. The Toledo Blade reports that six of those 18 charges were for aggravated murder alone, which generally means that for each of those charges, he was committing a totally different felony while committing the murder. The Toledo Blade reports on the hearing, and we find out that Goldsby's GPS monitor showed that he was walking around the area of Bodega for roughly an hour before Reagan was killed. That monitor also tied him to the area of the German village robberies around the same times those 911 calls were being made about the attacks. The outlet reports that the last attack in German village happened the night before Reagan was killed. The hearing was devastating for Reagan's family. I mean, they lost their sister and daughter while someone was literally being tracked and nothing stopped him. They had to watch as the court was shown the exact locations he took their daughter from while she was still alive and to when she was killed. They told the Toledo Blade, We cling to our steadfast faith for the strength and guidance to preserve for justice, no matter how difficult the journey is. In addition, we will continue to seek out and fight for change to the system. Based on the facts, the system is severely broken. Our daughter suffered and lost her life as a result. And they're right. According to a document by Lawrence Greenfield, the Bureau of Justice Statistics, the Office of Justice Programs, and the U.S. Department of Justice, titled Sex Offenses and Offenders, an Analysis of Data on Rape and Sexual Assault, the average term imposed on defendants convicted of rape is just under 14 years. Had Goldsby not received a plea deal for his crimes in 2010 and instead received the average term, he would have still been in jail when Reagan was murdered and she would still be alive. Had anyone checked the GPS monitor when a string of violent attacks against women unfolded just months after a violent sex offender had been released in the area, he would have been in jail when Reagan was murdered and she would still be alive. May 7th would have been the day that Reagan graduated with that degree that she worked so hard for, but instead, NBCI4 reports that her parents were given an honorary degree instead. It was a kind gesture and Reagan had rightfully earned it, but this was supposed to be a huge family moment, one filled with tears of joy and a party and plans for the future, but Reagan's future had been stolen. Six 
months go by, and in November, NBC i4 reports that Goldsby's defense tried to get his trial pushed back, hoping that a bill attempting to repeal the death penalty might impact his client's case. He also wanted a change of venue due to the publicity of this case. He got neither. The trial was set for the following February, and that's exactly when it began. And Michael Jordan himself couldn't have slam-dunked this case better than the prosecutors did. Every single second of Goldsby's trial was a defendant's walk down oh-fuck lane. And it began with every single place his decorative little ankle monitor tracked him to. According to The Lantern, at 8.09 p.m., it showed him walking in circles around Bodega. At 9.45 p.m., it showed him going 20 miles per hour, meaning he was now in a vehicle. He had to have abducted Reagan almost as soon as she walked out of view of the surveillance video. At 10.02 p.m., he stops at Chase Bank. At 10.14 p.m., he stops at another bank where he's caught on surveillance. Between 10.18 p.m. and 10.30 p.m., Goldsby's GPS monitor shows him in one spot, an alley. According to The Lantern, this is where the prosecutor says he raped Reagan. At 11.12 p.m., he stops at a gas station, and at 11.41 p.m., he stops at another gas station. At 11.50 p.m., Goldsby's ankle monitor shows him at Scioto Grove Metro Park, where he stayed for only four minutes. Reagan was with her abductor, rapist, and murderer for over two hours. 26 minutes after getting to the park, his GPS shows him at the apartment complex of a woman he'd been seeing. When he got there, he literally gifted her a purse claiming it was new. It was Reagan's purse, with her wallet still inside of it and pepper spray still attached. He also gave her exactly $60. The two wound up going to McDonald's together at 1.45 a.m., and she says that he drove them there in a car that she hadn't seen before, a car that had none other than a Miami Dolphin sticker on it. And she wasn't the only one to see him with that car with the Miami Dolphin sticker on it. A co-worker also testified to hearing him brag about the new car he'd just bought for $600 while standing in front of it. The Lantern continues their coverage of the trial and say that the woman Goldsby was seeing testified that when she got into the car to go to the McDonald's, she mentioned to him that it smelled like gas and that Goldsby told her that he had some in the back because he didn't want to have to stop to get any, which is obviously bullshit. When Reagan's car was found, it had a burn mark in it. They couldn't determine when the burn had happened, but there were some pretty solid guesses. On the way home from McDonald's, the two shared a cigarette, and wouldn't you know that when Reagan's car was recovered, there was a cigarette butt left inside of it, which according to the Toledo Blade, tested positive for Goolsby's DNA. After the timeline was established, the trial moved on to statements Goolsby had given to investigators when he was questioned about Reagan's murder, and he came up with one of the most asinine stories known to man. According to True Crime Daily, he admitted that he kidnapped and robbed Reagan, but told police that a man named TJ had forced him to rape her and that TJ was the one who killed her. That TJ made her get out of the car at the park, forced her to take off her clothes, shot her in the head, and when she fell to the ground, shot her again. 
The Lantern reports that Goldsby told the police that he dropped TJ off at the park before he got gas and then later at a different apartment complex than the woman he was seeing. But the GPS detector test determined that was a lie. Police tried to prove the existence of Goldsby's imaginary friend named TJ to no avail. None whatsoever. The trial wrapped up with testimony about a statement he'd made to the mother of his child. Yes, this man has a child. True Crime Daily reports that on a visit to the jail, Goldsby admitted to her that he'd killed that girl and that he'd done it for her money. Reagan Tokes was killed for $60. To this garbage of a human being, Reagan's life was worth less than a cell phone bill. It goes without saying that the jury found him guilty on all counts, every single one of them. But his sentencing would be a whole different ballgame. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com In order to receive the death penalty, the jurors would have to unanimously agree on it. If even one of them doesn't, he would get life in prison. So the sentencing hearing and the impact statements were a matter of life and death for Goldsby. And he made a statement. True Crime Daily reports that he stood up in front of Reagan's parents, the judge, and the jury and admitted to everything. He said, Today, I would like to apologize to the Tokes family for the crime that I committed against your daughter. When I first got locked up, I lied about everything. I said there was a TJ. There is no TJ. TJ is not real. I made TJ up because I was trying to wiggle my way out of a crime that I committed. Yeah, I think everyone had figured that out at this point. But Goldsby feared death, the very thing he'd inflicted on Reagan someone he'd never met who had her entire future ahead of her that she had worked relentlessly for and had never done a single thing to him. In the end, the jury couldn't come to a unanimous decision on the death penalty, and Brian Lee Goldsby was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He was given an additional 66 years for his attacks in German Village. You might think this episode ends here, but you would be wrong. In the dumbest move in defense history, the defense filed an appeal on his sentencing. Dude got out of the death penalty and wanted to appeal the decision. They noticed their error in judgment pretty quickly, 
but not quickly enough. The prosecution got behind the appeal to see if this time he might get the death penalty. In July of 2020, the Columbus Dispatch reports that it was decided that Goldsby couldn't be tried for the death penalty again, but the prosecution appealed that decision, and it's now in the hands of the Ohio Supreme Court. Reagan's family filed a wrongful death suit against the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction, saying that they'd failed to adequately monitor Goldsby. The case was thrown out, but Reagan's parents appealed the decision, and WBNS reports that the suit was ultimately settled. Reagan's family has since fought for change and got the Ohio state governor to sign in the Reagan-Tokes Act which was designed to change the way violent offenders are sentenced and monitored through their tracking devices. They can't bring Reagan back, but they're going to do everything in their power to make sure what happened to their daughter, what happened to their sister, doesn't happen to anyone else's. For photos pertaining to this case and a link to the Reagan-Tokes Act, check out Reagan's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about today's case. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. 